Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, grow you as a disciple, and help you serve His purpose. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. So good to be with you this morning. Hey, who was at our Christmas party last weekend? Yes, it was an awesome weekend here in the house of God. Look, if you served at all last weekend, if you were on team, either on the day or in the lead up to the Sunday, thank you. Thank you. Yes, let's give them a a round of applause. Thank you for what it is that you poured into this church and into every visitor that came into this place. It couldn't have happened without you. And we had over 100 visitors last weekend. We had over 100 visitors, so they not only shared with us in the fun, that's 100 people who heard the the good news of Jesus, and that's the most important thing, right? And I looked around in the second service, actually, and I didn't recognize half the room, which was awesome, not because I'm sick of your faces, but because as a church, we stood together, right, and we activated our faith. And we decided that we were going to pray for someone and we were going to invite them. And you did it. You did it. And they were here. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of us as a church. You know, the image I've had all week since the Christmas party has been one of a a big boulder. um, And a big boulder that's been struck really with a, a mighty blow. And it's got a crack that's formed in it. And I believe that God had cracked into the hearts of many people last Sunday. And that he wants to continue to crack into those same hearts. So as a church, we're not done yet. We're not done believing and praying for the people that came along last Sunday. We're going to keep standing together as we have this morning. Praying together, believing for them. And we encourage you, follow up with your people. Follow up with your friends that you brought along last week. See how they found it. See if they've got any questions. Invite them to Christmas Eve. Let's keep it going. Let's keep our faith moving and let's keep inviting, extending the invitation in. You know, the National Christian Life Survey came out this last week, I believe. And I was looking at it, Pramod sent it to me. And they asked the question of people, if you were given, this is non-churchgoers, if you were given an invitation to go to church this Christmas, would you go? And 45% of people said they'd go, with another 20% saying they weren't really sure. People are ripe. People are open. Let's keep the invitations going. We want to invite people into this house so they can hear the word of the Lord. All right. Aptly, we're moving into our faith series today. We're going to activate that faith even more. Why don't we pray together? Thank you, God. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we stand in the presence of the High King of Heaven who is faithful and true. Lord, we ask that your word would reveal you to us today in a fresh way. Lord God, that it would reveal you so deeply that we are moved to new levels of faith in you. Lord, we want to leave this house a changed people, more dependent, more surrendered, and more able, God, to walk in your truth according to your will. 
led by your hand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so there are two key scriptures that define the faith that we're going to be talking about today. So the first is found in Hebrews 11.1. Just going to move this. And it says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So the Amplified Version says, Now faith is the assurance of things. This is a divine guarantee. We are divinely guaranteed and assured. And it's the evidence of things, the conviction of their reality, even though we don't yet see it. And Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So the original language that's used here that's translated as faith actually means to be fully persuaded. Fully persuaded to trust to the point that leads to trust. So faith is not just your human confidence. It's not God's manipulation. And it's certainly not just the best efforts we have to just believe Just believe. The scripture says faith comes from hearing the word. It comes from hearing the word. So faith is the fruit or the gift or the response that comes from when we open up the word of God and he reveals himself to us and what we come to know, what we come to learn what we come to meet in God. We are so fully convinced of his grace and his goodness and his love and his authority that we want to hang our whole lives on it. That is faith. The more you know him, the more you have a deeply rooted confidence and trust in him and his promises. He is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. Martin Luther says, faith is living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. You're called to live a life of faith on which you stake everything, in every season, through every circumstance. Who got the storm on Friday night? Oh, wowzers. I don't know where you, how you experienced it in your suburb, but I'm pretty sure mine bore the brunt of it all. There's still trees down. Our neighbours like whole root balls of tree down. It, it was really interesting. I was reflecting on the, the storm and our experience of it the other day. That was the, the, the most hectic storm I've ever experienced in my life. And it was, I was reflecting on each of my family members' different responses during the storm. So, you know, we were happily watching Friday nights as movie night in our household. We were happily watching a movie. Power goes out. Heavens open. Storm, storm, storm. Wind blowing a gale. And my littlest one nuzzles in and starts whimpering. She starts whimpering. My eldest one starts running around the house doing laps like crazy 
causing more damage inside the house than's being caused outside the house. My husband's standing at the window going, whoa, look at that. That's amazing. Come look at that. <laughs> and I'm like, get away from the window. And I'm standing there going, is everyone okay? Is everyone okay? Let's, get, let's find some torches. Let's get some lights. Dear Jesus, thank you. We live in a safe house and our roof is not going to collapse on us. We each had a different response to the circumstances around us, the storm that was happening around us. We actually went out, or my husband took the girls out the day after to survey the damage around the suburb, which was a lot. And it was messy, still messy. There's a lot of cleanup that has to happen. So what is your response when life gets stormy? What is your response when life gets messy? In the unknowable and the unknowable and uncontrollable, what or who do you stake your life on? See, faith is always active. It's different from belief in that respect. You can believe God. The scriptures say even the, the demons believed God. You can believe God and his truth, but do nothing with it. Faith is belief activated. Faith will move you to a response to what it is that you are seeing in your life around you. It will move you to prayer. It will move you to worship. It will move you to declaration, to thanksgiving, to battle, to rest, to surrender, to live out of the truth that God has given us and his promises. Faith moves us. And the scriptures say that faith moves God's heart and his hand. So while faith is the cornerstone of every believer's life, we often find ourselves hindered in our journey of faith. So today we're going to look at three barriers. I'm calling them the foes of faith. The foes of faith. We're going to look at three foes of faith that can hinder our ability to walk in faith and how we can face down with these foes. The alliteration journey will continue, I promise that. We're going to face down with our foes of faith. Okay? Fabulous? Yeah, it was fabulous. Okay. The first one is this. Fear. I told you the journey would continue. Fear. Fear is a powerful force that can grip our hearts and paralyze our faith or it can propel us to a greater faith. So fear is a part of the human condition. Every single one of us experiences fear. We can fear the unknown. We can fear what might happen, what might not happen. We can fear failure. We can be anxious about work, our money, our relationships, even about the will of God in our lives. You name it, we can fear it. So one way of understanding fear and anxiety from a psychological point of view is that there are commonly two things that are at play in anxiety. One is the overestimation of the threat or the problem that you're facing. And the second is the underestimation of your ability to cope with or respond to that threat. So overestimation of the threat, underestimation of my ability 
to respond to it and cope with it. So therapeutically, you're getting a bit of free therapy today. I know, right? Therapeutically, when you're working with someone, you're working to support them to shift their perspective of the problem and the resources that they have available to address and to cope with whatever the problem is. Perspective is so powerful. It's so powerful. If you walk through life holding fast to just what it is that you perceive and see through your senses, fear will cloud your judgment. It will prevent you from fully trusting in God's plan for you. The Bible urges you, us, to walk by faith, not by sight. Because our sight is limited, yet God's is unlimited. So faith means dialing in your perspective to how God sees your challenges and God's ability to respond to them. Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we need to shift our perspective higher. A a couple of years ago, it was 2019, middle of 2019, um, and woke up on a particular Saturday morning, just was not in an okay space. To be perfectly honest, I can't even remember what was happening at the time. But I just remember being not okay, being fearful, worrying about whatever the circumstances were that were in our world. And I was in in a real, well, let's say bad mood. Um, I was consumed with the worry. And my husband, bless him, said, we're getting out of this house. I said, okay. Well, begrudgingly, I said, okay. It was, and the whole day, like the physical world, like the environment was foggy, like it was a really thick fog that day. I didn't want to leave the house. But he said, we're getting out of this house. So we all hopped in the car and we went for a drive. And we drove up to Mount Stromlo. And, you know, the whole while we were in the car, my worry was churning, churning, churning. And as we drove up to the peak of Mount Stromlo, we emerged onto the peak. And I took some photos, or William took some photos of what we saw that day, And I want, because I want you to see it as well. So if the team can cue that up. This is what we emerged into. As we came over the rise and lifted out of the fog, this is what we saw. That's a photo of the back of my head, taking a photo of that. (laughs) As God did a work in my heart and so clearly spoke in and said, it doesn't look so gloomy when you get to the higher places. It doesn't look so gloomy when you get to the higher places. So fear can cloud our judgment. And prevent us from fully trusting God. But in the scriptures, the Apostle John reminds us of the antidote to fear. The antidote to fear. And it's found in 1 John 4.18. He writes, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. 
because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So that word perfect is also translated as complete. God's love for you is complete. It is pure love, not blemished by ill motive. It is 100% for you. There's no hole in it. There's no weakness. It can carry the full weight of you and everything that you're journeying, and it won't break. It won't drop you. So fear says, this is impossible. I can't do this. There's no way through. Yet the complete love of God that sent Jesus to the cross to bear the weight of all that you are walking and all that you are facing, that love says he is with you. That love says his word stands true and that he can and he will help you. So Isaiah 41 So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So understanding that God is in control, even amidst our greatest fear, provides a solid foundation and an unwavering faith. Your faith journey requires you to become fully persuaded of God's goodness, fully persuaded of his perfect and complete love for you. So that's our first point. Our second one is this, forgetfulness. Our second foe of faith is forgetfulness. In times of trial, it can be easy to forget the countless times that God has demonstrated his faithfulness to us. You know, all throughout the book of Exodus, we see that the Israelites struggled with the very same thing. You may know the story, you may not, but if you don't, here it is. The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years. They cried out to God and he heard their cry and he sent Moses to help liberate them. Pharaoh didn't want them to leave. There was an argy-bargy that went on. God demonstrated his power through the 10 plagues. He demonstrated to the Israelites his might, his faithfulness to them, his ability to see through the covenant promises he'd made with Abraham hundreds of years earlier. And eventually, The Israelites are set free from Egypt by Pharaoh. And this is marked by that mighty miracle, the parting of the Red Sea. And God's faithful provision continued throughout the wilderness. When they were hungry and thirsty, he fed them. He sustained them, he protected them, he led them. And despite these remarkable displays of power, in moments of hardship, the Israelites accused God. They created idols of worship. They turned to the gods of other nations. Instead of looking to the provision that God had for their lives, they turned their back on him. 
They even longed for the days of captivity back in Egypt. And when God handed them the promised land that he had promised, they hesitated to take it. So God wasn't just faithful to them once. He was faithful over and over and over again. Yet they forgot. And I remember sitting down one day and reading just this scripture. I was in this scripture reading about the Israelites in the wilderness. And I remember thinking, how could they, God? Like you were faithful so many times. How could they forget? And I kid you not, God raised his eyebrows at me. And he said, how could they forget? How could they forget what I had done for them? And my heart knew immediately how easily I forget. How easily I forget that he saved my life. That he brought me out of the deepest, darkest places. That he set me free. That he saw my desires and brought them to being. That he protects me every day. That every good thing I have comes from him. How easily I forget. See, the Israelites' story is our story. Their redemption is our redemption. And if we are wise, we learn from them. Because to walk in faith, you must cultivate a spirit of remembrance. We need to stop. We need to acknowledge. We need to celebrate the faithfulness of God in our lives. David knew this. He writes in Psalm 143, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. So throughout the Old Testament, God gives this command to his people to remember. Because he knows, right? He knows we forget. So he gives the command, remember. He tells them, go set up altars as symbols of remembrance for what I've done. And in Joshua 4, we see they took 12 stones, one for each tribe of Israel. They built an altar to remember that God had brought them out of captivity into the wilderness and across the Jordan. And then again in Joshua 22, they built an altar of remembrance and a memorial as a witness to future generations of the goodness of God, his faithfulness to their people. To this day, the Jewish people still celebrate festivals throughout the year to remember, to remember their history, to remember what God has done for them. We too need to establish altars of remembrance in our lives. Moments, places, practices that remind us of God's faithfulness to us. Now, we just had our Christmas party, as you know. Our theme was gratitude. This Christmas party was a deliberate establishing of an altar. A time, a space set apart to remember and celebrate what Jesus made possible. A heart filled with gratitude and thanksgiving is a heart that remembers. Psalm 103, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. 
Thanksgiving is a powerful tool. It takes our eyes off the issue and sets it on the one who is more than able. More than able, more than faithful to bring the answer. Sets it on God's ability. And our final point, our final foe, and I'm afraid the alliteration ends here. But our final foe is that we tend to trust our own efforts rather than the power of Scripture. It's a common temptation, even a default practice to rely on our own strength instead of the power of the Word of God that He has given us in our lives to face every situation, His Word. See, Scripture is not merely a collection of stories about the old days. It is the living and active Word of God. See, to walk in faith, we need to recognise that the Word has the power to transform life. And James 1.22 urges us not to just be hearers of the Word, but to be doers of the Word, to stake our lives on it. I've got beautiful friends in my world and as we share in the challenges that we're facing, one of the really common questions that we ask each other is, what's your scripture for that? What's your scripture for that? Because we know the power of change, the power of faith sits in the Word of God. Isaiah 55 says that the word sent out does not return void. It achieves all that it is set to accomplish. It achieves all that it is set to accomplish. What is your scripture for your situation? What is the declaration of the word that's coming out of your mouth that will not return void, but will achieve what it is set to accomplish? You don't need to do the heavy lifting of your life. I got to pray with a young woman on this altar last Sunday. And she came forward highly distressed. She's given me permission to share this story. Highly distressed because she'd been accused of something that she hadn't done. Young girl. And she was being taken to court. So it wasn't just an accusation. You did the wrong thing. It was a legal process in train. And we stood together And we believed together and we remembered that God was her vindicator. We remembered that God worked things, all all things together in her life for good. We remember that the scripture in Isaiah 54 says, no weapon forged against you will prosper. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. That is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, says the Lord. We declared it. And I spoke to her last Thursday. General chat, by the way, when's your court date? I asked her. And she says, oh, no, no. They called a mediation session on Tuesday. They decided there's no evidence. It's done. The Word does the work. And it's not just in your life. Look at the world around you. They are crying out for a declared Word over them. Every circumstance, every situation, every person in this world is crying out for the power of God declared over them to shift circumstances, 
It's why we're here. It's what we're here to do. You know, the greatest impossibility that Christ alone made possible was the salvation of all people. Jesus is the fulfillment of every word. Scriptures say He is the word. He is the complete love of God that walked the earth as a human and died on the cross to pay the price for sin. If you already know that, then let this season be an altar of remembrance to what it is that Jesus has made possible in your life. Be intentional. Make it an altar. But if you don't yet know that, I encourage you, find him on these pages. Because who he reveals himself to be will persuade you. It will persuade you with a confidence that he is good, he is true, he is gracious, and he can do all things. And you can take the first step to that today. We would love to invite you to take the first step of faith today and open your heart to Jesus. And the way that we do that here is that we pray a prayer together. So I'm going to get every eye closed across this place. If you are here and you don't yet know Jesus, but you want to take that first step of faith today and open your heart to Him, then we're all going to pray this prayer together. I'm going to get you to repeat after me. And if you pray this in your heart, the Scriptures say, and confess with your tongue, you will be saved. Father, I thank you for your perfect love. This is for you guys. Father, I thank you for your perfect love that sent Jesus to the cross to die for my sins. I open my heart to you today, Jesus. Forgive me for my sins. Reveal yourself to me. Help me to truly know you and follow you. Thank you that today I am saved. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.